0: Today on the Tech Byte podcast, we're going to get into networking and security, and more specifically, despite what you might have heard about cloud taking over, the network still matters. And in fact, it's essential to an organization's security strategy. And we're going to address this topic with sponsor Fortinet. Our guest is John Madison. He is EVP of Products and CMO. Uh, so, John, welcome to the podcast. And you know, sort of the, the current zeitgeist out there is that the cloud is taking over. So, what does this mean for networking? Is the network no longer relevant?
1: I think I think it's more relevant in a way. Um, so, yes, you know, clouds can be very important with a lot of applications moving there and a lot of consumption things like SaaS, and so um yes you know people this work from anywhere concept where people are still home and you know more in the office these days and some more travel happening so that's going to be very dynamic so how do they get to their applications they have to get through the network and um that network has begun to change as new capabilities come like 5g and you know you'll see these retail sites now that absolutely have to have two or three ISP connections because they, they can't afford any downtime whatsoever. So in our minds, the network is becoming more important because that digital experience between users and even devices these days in in manufacturing plants and the cloud and the compute uh, is essential to measure and maintain at a high level. Not only that, as that network has expanded and we see more edges, You need to have that security as well totally converged at every one of those edges.
0: So let me push back a little bit on that because I could see someone making a case for saying, yeah, of course, we need a network because we have to push the packets into the cloud, but can't I just have sort of a dumb, fast transport and do my security or my performance in other places, like in a cloud location?
1: You can do some of that in the cloud for sure, um, but what you don't want are these edges, which are open, uh, they're an attack point, uh, not of any security. So, you know, examples of these edges are, you know, LAN edge and Wi-Fi edge. You've got your WAN edge, where you've got direct internet access now. You've got 5G edge, you've got cloud edges. And so I, I think it's gonna be a hybrid mode for a long time, but the security needs to be at every edge, but in different degrees. You don't have to put the full stack at every edge. You may have a smaller stack, a more firewall-oriented stack at a WAN edge. You may put a web gateway, uh, stack at the cloud edge, you may have a NAC capability at the LAN edge. And so you're going to apply different security depending on the edge.
0: Okay, uh, so then that raises the question to me, then if I'm, I've am i got multiple points that I'm trying to secure and probably different kinds of policies, that sounds like kind of a big complicated mess to me. So how do I get my arms around that?
1: Well, I think the convergence is really important. So yeah, so a lot in in the past, um, you'd build your network, the CIO and the VP of network and build this network and then they'd go, oh, well, we'll need to put some security on here and we have to put more security. If you go back, networking was never really built. The internet was never really built with security in mind. The, you know, routers and switches are just making, are just trying to provide the best connectivity. Right. They have no idea about the applications. They have no idea about the content, the users, the location, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why, you know, a separate, almost separate security industry came about to try and fill the gaps for the for, from a networking perspective when you start to converge that so for example if you've got uh, SD wan and the firewall next-gen firewall completely converged with a single management console with a single instance from a platform perspective it becomes much more operationally efficient so i can apply policy to both i can manage both i, I can operate both in terms of you know uh, uptime uh, and and change in configuration that's the key you can't do an overlay network on these edges. There's too many edges forming. It needs to be converged to get the operational efficiency.
0: So what do you mean when you say converge? You've used that term a couple of times, and it can mean different things to different people. What What is your definition of convergence? Are we talking about networking and security converging?
1: Yes, yes, indeed. And that's, that's, it's tough to do because um, you're building networking for a certain... You know dynamic in terms of high performance right security always becomes that tax in some ways because it slows things down and so you got to be very very careful when you're doing that and so you know good examples are you know basic firewalling stateful firewalling uh, you can do ultra fast when you start having to do inspection like ips you, it doesn't matter what you do you slow things down so you do have to be careful you do have to apply i would say different types of processing to to alleviate that that issue. And then there's the core operating system itself that needs to have those applications and functions. And so, for example, our our core, our core operating system not only is a firewall and SD-WAN, but it also has built-in uh, Wi-Fi controllers and Ethernet controllers, and more recently zero-trust proxies, for example. Uh, and as we go forward, more functionality, NAC just got added as well. And so that, that convergence happens at a software level. But then you need to be very careful about how you deploy that as an appliance, as a virtual machine, as a cloud native, or as a or a SaaS delivery. Yeah, and
0: I think you raise a point that some listeners might not be aware of. I think most people think of Fortinet primarily as a firewall company, but you do do more than that. And you are, I guess, operating at a convergence of security networking because you've got switches, routers, uh, wireless APs, and so on. And, and all of that is running this one OS, yes?
1: Correct, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to change that image of us being a firewall (laughs) company bit by bit. Uh, We're we're definitely uh, uh, more of a platform company. Yeah, we've been going 20 years and building on this OS, and what started originally as more of a converged firewall and and content inspection system has evolved into a, a multifaceted platform that can do a lot of different networking functions, can do a lot of security functions, and can do them together. And so uh, what we call our 40 OS. We had a, re- a recent release of 40 OS 7.2. Um, has a lot of capability. In fact, I don't really think a lot of our customers use all the capability. So if you think about one of our latest release, yes, I can do next gen firewall. I can also do SD WAN. And, and these are not just kind of add-ons. Oh yeah, you can switch it on, but it's not as good. You, you know, if you look at the Gartner Magic Quadrants for uh, network firewall, SD WAN, and Wi Fi LAN. Uh, we're a leader in two and a visionary in one and so you know that's hard to do uh, become a leader of, uh, in, in a, as a standalone function but it's all the same platform and so we will continue to do that uh, we're we're evolving out the zero trust component of it i think the nac a micro segmentation nac that's native to the switch via the firewall is going to be very important in operational technology environments as the you know as they continue to get attacked with ransomware
0: so you see, um, companies in the networking space that want to move into security tend to do it through acquisition. Um, your approach has been instead of buying and then trying to sort of glom products together, you've built from a common OS and then added capabilities as you went from that OS. So it's, I, I think the goal is then to simplify operations. Is that that the strategy?
1: Yeah, it's 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 extremely hard to take uh, a mature product that's got a huge install base and customers. Uh, that was built by separate teams five, 10 years ago, and, and put them together. So what usually happens is, you know, networking companies will, even cybersecurity companies will will buy, make a big acquisition, and they'll make a lot of promises how it's all going to be integrated as a platform. And then a few years later, maybe the consoles have got a virtual machine running. So you can see the consoles on the same hardware, but they don't integrate. <laughs> it's very, very hard to do. And I think this is probably the biggest issue, I think, for platforms is that if you do build it separately, it's 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 extremely hard to bring together correctly. Uh, from our perspective, uh, it's it's hard still. We build it organically, and it's still very hard. Um, but the hardest concept is is not so much actually the physical or the function or the control capability, whether it be in the appliance or in the cloud. it's the it's the management console and making that a singular console or instance that can control or policy. Uh, con- con- control or configuration is even hard for us. And I, 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 it's impossible if you've got these just these separate products. The end goal, though, uh, both from a networking perspective is and cybersecurity, from a networking perspective, operationally efficiency, to be able to kind of change things really quickly, and, of course, have that time and measured. And we're seeing things like AIOps, we're applying to our consoles for that. On the cybersecurity side, because of the speed now, Log4J, was spreading 50 to 100 times faster than its predecessor right and so um human intervention doesn't matter anymore you, you absolutely need to automation and so the ability to put automation capabilities in that redirects traffic or takes end endpoints off the network or, or, or changes the configuration uh, automatically uh, without human intervention is is very important
0: now when you talk about automation particularly with networking i think potential hackles go up because you can you know what you're when you're trying to implement a security control you could also prevent legitimate users from getting access to the things they need so how do you balance those you know competing interests between security needing to control things and networking needing to connect things
1: well there's always been that <laughs> that battle there a bit yes. between networking teams and security teams that the most secure network is one that doesn't connect to anybody or anything for sure and um so that that obviously is is, is the balance I think that the way you do it is to be pretty sure and, and, and understand exactly um, if you've got some detection capability. And there's a lot of vendors who have detection capability, but they're kind of hesitant or scared to do anything with it because they want to, they want to create a false positive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, for us, I'll give you a good example. Is you know over the last two or three, well, my last five or six years, uh, we've had sandboxing technology. Quite a few people have sandboxing technology where they take a file out and put it inside a VM and see if it's doing anything bad, it's kind of trying to find unknown versus known threats. Now, when you find that in your sandbox, you go ask, right, I found this file, it's bad. It's already in your network, it's already at the user, so you go and track it down, that's tough. So we have something called inline sandboxing, which will do that um, detection capability, but if it's bad, we'll stop it. So once you become sure, it's the same for IPS signatures or URL filtering. So once you become more certain that you're not going to create that issue in the network, then you can start to do that protection. And of course, that's much, much better than allowing it to circulate in your network and then trying to find it later.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about how that inline sandboxing works? Because that's interesting, because by understanding of sandboxing was sort of, it was a, let's catch it, examine it. And then if it turns out to be problematic, go have to hunt it down later. You're saying you can do this in line in real time or near real time
1: near real time you know you have to put a lot of processing power in there as well to do that and yeah. make sure you, you can do it quickly um, but yeah that's been you know an issue for of the industry for a long time and again there's 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 hundreds of detection companies out there uh, the 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 key is detection but also protection
0: um this also comes back I think we should talk a little bit more about this automation capability because one of the issues with security is that they are getting so much information shot at them from IDS IPS alarms alerts firewall alerts and so on how do you help organizations make sense of that so that they can make the right decision about what steps to take
1: you know one of the issues that some of the security operations teams are finding is there's so much data uh, they're running up these huge expenses from just storing the data alone never mind having to sift through it. I've, I've, I saw I was speaking to one customer who had a 10 million annual bill just for the SIM storage of the data wow. in, in the cloud. And so these are becoming very expensive and it's not going to get less. You know, there's more microservices, there's more data coming as, as, as our customers convert to more digital. So that's one problem. The second problem, of course, is sifting through all of that. And I think, uh, and by the way, the bad guys are using AI technology as well. And so some sort of, contextual AI uh, that can look through the data and sift through the data. It's going to be very important going forward. Again, you just can't, uh, you're not going to be able to do that with humans. Having said that, having said that I don't want to put humans down too much uh, because um, you know, you still need those humans to kind of, because there's always those not corner cases. There's always situations where you need to kind of think outside of the, the AI box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, we're finding a lot of customers, you know, today's employment market is very hot and it's very hard to attract the right talent and then retain retain the right talent. And so I, I do think the cybersecurity companies need to provide more help as well, more services, and more capabilities and more expertise uh, to supplement either the enterprise or the MSSP in, in providing that capability. So yeah, you, you need the AI capability to sift through all that data, but you're still gonna need some expertise to understand and relate that back to you know how how your employees are working and where where you can uh, provide better protection.
0: So maybe this ties back into that point about the cloud is, you know, it's not taking, it is, the cloud is becoming essential in one way in that, you know, if you're going to do AI, you need very large data sets and a lot of processing capacity to get useful information out of that data. Is that where the cloud comes in for Fortinet?
1: Yes. so uh, we have the largest installed base of network security of devices and software and instances in the cloud and approaching 600,000 customers as well. And so we get a lot of telemetry back from our systems. Our customers can opt in and provide telemetry. And since we've got such a large install base uh, across many different geographies, uh, many different types of industry, uh, we process about 100 billion events a day. And, And that's a huge amount of data. So we kind of break it down. We have to break it down into a hierarchy. So first of all, we kind of look at each threat vector. And uh, let's say files, for example, for antivirus, we'll take those, you know, two or three billion good files and two or three billion bad files, put it through what we call our machine learning system. We come up with a pretty good idea if that's a good or a bad file. We can do the same for URLs and vulnerabilities and other things. And so we've got a pretty good idea of, of, of what's, what's known. What's, what's the bigger issue, of course, is the unknown. Even bigger issue is if you find a piece of the unknown, is it part of a larger campaign? And that's where I think, you know, that's where all the cybersecurity industry vendors trying to get to is to get to that point where I can discover a campaign in the wild before it attacks a specific uh, enterprise or a group of enterprises. And that takes a lot of compute, takes a lot of data. I don't think anybody's really there right now. We, you know, we start to find pieces of a campaign, but then they have to put it together again. So I think that's the goal. I wish overall, I've been saying this, I've been in cybersecurity for 20 years now, 10 years of 40 net. Uh, I wish the cybersecurity industry would stop promoting themselves as being the only person who can stop XYZ and start sharing the information. I, I, there was a recent MITRE testing that happened and it's a testing of EDR. and it's one of the. I think it's one of the better test methodologies I've seen out there and it's pretty independent. As soon as the tests finished and the, the, the results came out, you just saw these vendors saying well i'm the best because i've got a, i've got a and i'm this is i'm the and it wasn't hey this can help you as an enterprise and i wish the cybersecurity industry just stopped this hype and trying to be one up on the other person <laughs> i know it's a competitive industry you can't say it's not um, but we need to do better at helping the customers versus saying how good we are versus abc
0: a- yeah you won't get any argument from me about that. Okay, so last question, and tying back to this notion of you know vendors wanting to sort of win every deal or you know uh, tout their stuff as the best, which means buy all of our stuff. And Fortinet isn't just—it's got firewalls, it's got uh, switches, it's got APs, and so on. So you're obviously trying to capture as much of a customer as you can, but you do also work with third party systems because you know most places aren't going to be a one vendor shop.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, and it, it's—it's—I think it's a really important point to make. Again, I think if you look at networking, it's reasonably standardised. So, switch vendors, you know, switch A and switch B will work together. You know, if there's a an IPS system from <laughs> vendor A and vendor B, they're not working together. One of the good examples I always cite when I'm speaking to customers is zero trust. So, ZTNA, and you kind of, for ZTNA, you kind of need a client piece. Right. Um, you need a, something that's looking at the agentless stuff. So, a, a NAC system. You've got um, a policy engine. You've got um, a proxy enforcement component, which can be in the data center, it could be in the cloud, it could be in the, could be in the SaaS. Uh, you've got identity, and uh, you, there's other pieces as well. By the way, as you go on, and I usually find that you know, the customers have got nine different vendors, right? And trying to get them to work is is not easy at all. And so, but what you can do is say, well, let's let's take my identity system, and my endpoint, and my proxy, and then go work with two or three vendors to get it working. And that's our that's our intention so uh, we have provide apis and connectors that um allow us to uh, integrate into other we have 450 um what we call fabric ready partners that will build built to our api we've built to other people's api i wish people would provide more apis you know we can only build to the public apis mm-hmm. um, but that allows then for again for the customer to get two or three things working together versus nine and and they they're just very reluctant they can't just pull things out of the network. These things take years to migrate. And so it has to be the ability to work with other vendors, no no matter if they're competitors, um, because um, large enterprises will point blank refuse just to rip things out. There needs to be a plan and a migration.
0: All right, well, that does uh, wrap up our time with Fortinet. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. If people want to find out more about what Fortinet's up to, where should they go?
1: Thank you, Drew, Uh, to fortinet.com.
0: Okay. Nice and easy. Fortinet.com. Uh, again, John, thanks for being with us. And thanks to Fortinet for being a sponsor. Sponsors make uh, everything that we do at Packet Pushers possible. If you like this podcast and want more fine, free technical information and our community blog, it's all over at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers, Find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.